0: Hello and welcome to What's Brewing CISFA. What's Brewing CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community Colleges Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. My co-host Dana is off today, uh, and so I'm flying solo on this episode. We still wanna make sure that What's Brewing CISFA will inform and entertain you for 30 minutes at a time. So let's go ahead and start the show. And welcome everyone back to another episode of what's brewing Zizva? Let's start this show off with our first cup. It's a solo cup today for me. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I've given Dana the day off, uh, because of logistics. As uh, we've talked about over the last few episodes, we're in the re engagement part of going back to campus and students coming back to campus too. Even though we don't have a lot of classes in the summer on campus, we have students milling about. And so we're having staff coming back two days a week. Then we're in a couple weeks, be at three days a week. Then right away to four days a week. And then hopefully just before our fall semester everyone's back. So that's the goal. And with that uh, means that sometimes me or Dana have to be back on campus. So this morning, Dana had to be back on campus. And so we're not quite set up yet to move the whole Studio 1051 operation back to campus. But we will soon. And uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun because I hope to then drag some of the other staff members and student workers into the show. But until then, uh, today we're running a solo show. It is all news today for everybody, so it should be fun. We haven't done news for a while, uh, but we'll definitely have some things to go today. In fact, uh, let's start off with our first news item. So let's start with the hard-hitting news in the financial aid world. Uh, we, we, We reported on this show a number of weeks ago that the federal government through the U.S. Department of Education, was moving forward on a phased implementation of changes to federal methodology and the FAFSA. And this was all approved in the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. The deadline for implementation is supposed to be the 2023-2024 award year, but some things are already moving forward. As talked about again in a prior show, the removal of the drug conviction and Selective Service Eligibility Criteria is already moving forward and takes effect for the 2021-2022 academic year. But it seems like the rest of the changes may stretch out a little longer than expected and may continue through the 2024-2025 award year. Hope this isn't confusing you yet. Based on a statement from Richard Cordray, Chief Operating Officer of Federal Student Aid... Some improvements will begin to show as early as October 1st of this year, but due to the magnitude of changes and how this is a significant overhaul, FSA will probably blow right through the 2023-2024 deadline mandate in the law uh, due to all these changes. Now, of course, you know, there will be some confusion coming from all corners. Uh, You know, first of all, the current 2021 2022 FAFSA that launched last October it still has on it because it's even though it's electronic form the drug conviction and selective service questions and the common codes we the schools see when we get the electronic results back from a FAFSA are still there so we have to do some system programming on our end to in a sense negate and not utilize the results of those two questions So it seems like there's a lot of behind the scenes work still to be done. And it'll probably take a bit of time because there's a lot more to this. So for you all out there listening, if you want to know more, check our show notes. We'll have a link to the NASFA news article about these implemented changes. Now, if uh, if you aren't the only people out there checking out the NASFA website on a regular basis, Something interesting I found out there in their pop quiz section that I bet some of us may not know the answer to. So here's a scenario they lay out. A student completes a V4 verification form and process and has a notary sign the form, which is allowable, of course. However, the notary indicates on the form that they personally know the student instead of viewing and confirming the student's identity by seeing a government issued id according to the notary website some states do allow this but the question for us is can this be used for our v4 v4 process so what do you think out there well the answer is no Uh, this is not an acceptable uh, uh thing for our process so for v4 and v5 purposes Government-issued identification is required. Now, there is some flexibility enacted during the pandemic, but it covers the issue of having to have uh, students actually bring their forms in with their documentation to our office for review and collection. The requirement of a student confirming their identity through a government-issued ID is still in place. So it's kind of interesting stuff here. Check out the pop quiz and more on the NASFA website. We'll give you a link in our show notes for those who wonder what in the world is V4 Verification. If you don't know, all the better for you. <laughs> it means your uh, our non-financial aid people out there, you don't want to know all the details, but it's a process. Now, I'm not sure we have a lot of California community colleges, let alone community colleges, that offer the federal TEACH grant, but if you do, listen up. FSA posted an electronic announcement to the FSA Partner Connect website on July 1st regarding changes being made to COD and the studentaid.gov website. These changes may require some schools to make adjustments to their websites or printed publications, but otherwise, the major part of the changes are being done at the federal end of things. So be ready to revisit your exit counseling letters and your web content in regards to teach grants. There's not much more in the electronic announcement, but you can check it out. We'll put a link in our show notes to the FSA Partners uh, Knowledge Center where they keep all the electronic announcements. Another news item here. In case you missed it, FSA posted another electronic announcement. This one on June 28th regarding final approved awards for the Federal Supplemental Educational Opportunity Grant, or FSEOG, and federal work study for the 2021-2022 award year. As this is the full report for all schools that participate in the campus-based programs, check it out and see how you compare to other schools. You know, I would say compare yourself to similar type of schools. And if you're really riding a high, as I would say, and you need to be brought down a little bit, check out some of the other schools, mostly on the East Coast, nothing against them or anything, but uh, schools on the East Coast that are running away with probably millions more in work study and FSEOG compared to us little, or not so little, community colleges here in California. And again, if you ever want to know the full story on this, I'm hoping to have my former boss, Pat Hurley, Come tell us about how fair share works, or I should say doesn't quite always work, uh, in regards to this campus-based aid programs, a work study, in FSEOG. Uh, but just to let you know, you can go out to the FSA Partners website. We'll have a link where you can get the whole spreadsheet, because this is public knowledge. It's federal dollars going to schools for, in particular, <laughs> two programs for financial aid. Now, I would have asked here at the start of this item that Dana, uh, my co-host, she used to handle Cal Grants at our campus, one of two people that would handle Cal Grant processing for students. But I know she's moved on from it, but I wanted to ask her, and I'll ask you out there, have you heard of the California Dream Act Service Incentive Grant Program? Well, if you haven't, the D Sig, as it's known, D-S-I-G, encourages Cal Dream Act applicants with a Cal Grant B Award to perform community or volunteer service. The program awards up to $3,000 per academic year, up to 2,500 students across the state. Eligible students must apply annually and complete community or volunteer service hours within their academic year. They need to do at least 150 hours per semester or 100 hours per quarter of service. The good thing for all of this, in case you're wondering, how is this all going to work? What do I have to do? The good thing is most, if not all, of the work for this program is done at the California Student Aid Commission, or CSAC as we call them. But if you want to know more, and you probably should because you may have students asking about this, Check out the link in our show notes to the July 1st special alert from CSAC. Now, you know, I've been hearing from you and others out there that there is some real concern about potential student aid fraud since we've moved to an online mode for nearly all of our classes during the pandemic. Having heard that some colleges in both the northern and southern part of California As you've heard here on our podcast, and we've talked to a number of financial aid directors who've reported this, they're seeing hundreds, sometimes thousands of potential cases of fraud. Now, the good thing is here, it's good to see U.S. Department of Education's Office of Inspector General, or OIG, is putting out some information for us that really reminds us all that we're all in this together to try to stop fraud. After all, just let's look at the numbers. $115 billion in federal student aid this past year. Over 5,600 colleges that participate in federal aid. And, again, and keeping in mind, this doesn't even include the $76 billion in COVID relief funds for colleges and universities alone. So if ever there were fertile ground for people of low morals to try and get some illicit funds, now is that time. So we have to be vigilant. So for more information, uh, check out our show notes. We'll have a link to the downloadable PDF from the OIG. I think this is a good spot here. We're going to play a little music, fade it on up, and move our way into our second cup. And just like that, we're back for our second cup here on the What's Brewing seats for Show. Got to get those sound effects all rolled in. So let me do a little bit of scrolling here on my screen so we can get to the next article that's interesting. So I was uh, checking out the Forbes magazine online when I found an interesting article that relates to us. The article mentions a new national online survey of college students, wherein a majority of them are optimistic about the course of COVID and are eventual moving beyond it. But many are worried about their own economic futures and are skeptical about the value of higher education. That's the bad part. The survey, titled One Year Later, COVID-19's Impact on Current and Future College Students, was conducted in April and May of this year by the New America and Third Way Think Tanks. Over a 1,000 college students responded to the survey. On the topics of the economy and college value, students are a bit more wary than they are on where we're going with COVID. Only 26% believe the economy is getting better, while 33% think it's getting worse and 65% now believe that higher education in general is not worth the cost. This is an increase from the 57% who reported so in December and the 49% back in August. There's more in the Forbes article and very interesting read here, so we'll include links to both the article and to the survey results through the uh, Third Way Think Tank. So, question for you out there, because Dana would have asked me this question, I'm sure. She would want to know, how up am I on my R2-T4? And in particular, how up am I on understanding R2-T4 and the changes that are taking effect this summer? Well, if you wanted to know my answer, I am not that far up on it. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about this recently uh, as I follow the conversations among the financial aid managers in my district. Uh, Thank you, Microsoft Teams. That makes that very easy. Uh, But um, I was checking out the NASFA website recently where they have an an, in-case-you-missed-it page, I-C-Y-M-I as they call it in uh, short-term logo there, uh, specifically devoted to R2-T4 rules. Now, without reading everything, the biggest thing that comes out of all this is Modules, how you treat them, and in particular, what a module is. In short, and I'm probably going to get it wrong still, modules are where you have classes that do not last a full semester or term. So if you have like a 16 week semester, you have a class that runs the first eight weeks, and then you have another class that runs the next eight weeks. Those apparently now are all modules, slight like changes in definitions. And again, how you treat that for R2T4 or return to Title IV, all uh, talks about, again, for those outside financial aid, when a student completely withdraws from a semester, they may not have earned all their financial aid. The old rule used to be, and it still kind of is, you have to make it at least 60% of the way through a semester to have earned 100% of your money. With this module stuff, it gets much more complicated. But due to time constraints today, I don't think we want to go down this rabbit hole on the show, but I'm going to put a link to the NASDAQ item on this and hope you find it. Now, I don't know if you've all seen any of this out here, uh, but there have been some summaries going out from our state system office and others about how the state budget will affect us all at the community colleges. So here's the good news. The budget pays down all deferrals, or what they call late payments, to the colleges and gives the colleges an additional $371 million in ongoing general funding through Proposition 98. That's really good because sometimes a budget is passed. They tell us you'll get certain money, but some of it's deferred, which means they'll pay you later. But in this case, they're paying them all down. So schools will see an influx of money that was due to them way back when. The colleges are also getting a one-time $100 million payout to support recruitment and retainment of students amid our declining enrollment across the system. And the system will get a one-time payment of $115 million to provide zero-cost textbook degrees. An additional $100 million to hire more full-time faculty, and $100 million to support student basic needs. And I think we may have talked about this. One last thing here that's in the good news section, $150 million for emergency financial aid awards. So is there something missing from this? Of course there is. As we pour more resources into our colleges from the state level, and thank you for that, and make more emergency and basic need money available to students, which is always good because it helps our students get through life and school. As we make small and large changes to the Cal Grant program and still potentially more coming down the line, the state's response to helping us in the financial aid offices at the community colleges, kind of missing here, everybody. So I'm going to go off on the uh, tangent just for a real quick second. What are we hearing from the state? Crickets. In fact, although I haven't seen how much we are getting in our categorical program, that's the BFAP program as many of us know it, that provides usually for some of us maybe half of our operational cost funding, I can only assume we'll see a cut again, primarily because funding for BFAP in general is based upon how many fee waivers we give students, and you can't give more fee waivers when you have less students. So even when comparing ourselves to other colleges in the system, it doesn't matter when the state is cutting percentage points off the total BFAP categorical fund due to those less and less fee waivers. I don't want to rant, but I don't know if anyone is listening anymore. Now there's really a concern for me, even when me and other CISFA exec board members working on behalf of the association have spoken with our comrades there at the system office to explain our circumstances year after year, of what we're living through. I think we've heard this when we've had people on our show. The problem is, again, I get some money straight from the state through the BFAP program. I get some through the college, through the general fund, to fund my operations. So that if I'm lucky, I have 10 full-time staff members, multiple student workers. I can send staff to training opportunities, conferences. I can afford to pay for publications occasionally some IT and technology and software and uh, financial aid videos and all that good stuff. But that starts to get impinged upon when the funding available through BFAP goes down. And on top of that, salaries go up, good for my staff, benefits go up, that's good for my staff too except for the cost basis thing. And it starts to eat into money to where me and others across our system can't rehire people because we are running out of money. When this fund was set up many years ago, the whole idea was financial aid offices should do more outreach and uh, recruitment of students to apply for aid. And now we're running out of the ability to do so when we can't fund the staff we already have, let alone hiring new staff. So I'm going to leave off here. I'm going to put a link to the EdSource news article that gives you the numbers without all the social commentary. So as we get here to closing out for the day, you know what time it is, this would be the time that Dana would want to talk about training and free training at that. So I was checking out the CASFA calendar of training opportunities for July, and I saw some options that seemed really interesting. This July 15th, Thursday, that is a couple days away, NASA's Blue Icon Advisors will hold one of their Let's Talk sessions on returning to campus. They'll talk about best practices for reopening and managing transitions as students return to campus. The webinar is only an hour and starts at 11 a.m. On the same day, Castle will hold a California State Legislative Update featuring a panel of experts. The webinar is slated to start at 2 p.m., so you can get both of those in on the same day. On Wednesday, July 21st, that's next week, ECMC is holding a webinar titled Creating Financial Health After College. Learn about salary expectations versus reality, understanding paycheck deductions, how to increase your earning potential, and understanding employer benefits. Now, although this session may not be aimed at most of us in the financial aid field, it's probably a good idea for our student workers or even our newer employees, to check in on this webinar. The session starts at 10 a.m. Lastly, Citizens Bank is offering a session on managing hybrid teams on Wednesday, July 28th at 11 a.m. Learn how to adapt to working through virtual walls and the best practices for handling personnel both in-person and off-site. Links to all of the offerings I talked about and more are available by going out to the casfa.org slash training webpage. I'll also put some links in our show notes uh, to the individual items I just talked about. Now, I'm going to end on a bonus item here today uh, because I would have asked, is it okay to do so if we had time? I think we have time today. This one's not about financial aid, but it's really interesting. Grubhub has announced a partnership with Yandex Self-Driving Group, to bring its autonomous robots to college campuses across the U.S. The Yandex, that's Y-A-N-D-E-X. They have rovers, which make food deliveries to our hungry students out there. The robots weigh 150 pounds and have six wheels. They can easily maneuver and access walking paths on campuses, which is something your standard delivery driver from Grubhub, DoorDash, etc. just can't do in their car. So apparently the University of Michigan has had this for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see if this partnership makes it to California and or any of our California community colleges. So I'm going to put a link in our show notes to the University Business Magazine article about this. It's very interesting. The little robot there that delivers hot food to students. A little like if you've seen the Domino's commercials recently, you'll see it looks a little like that. Well, we're at that point where we need a little bit more music so we can roll ourselves into a short last sip. And just like that, we are back, like I said, for a very short last sip. When you don't have your co host the show just rolls quicker than expected. But that's okay. We'll get everyone on with their day here. So I do have an I Dare You To uh, for everyone. And what I want to do is I want to dare people to take a class at yours or a neighboring community college. Find something you're interested in or brush up on something. Take a film class, a humanities uh Challenge yourself with a science class, whatever it is. You know, it's a good way to link up, talk with professors and other academics, and talk about stuff other than financial aid. Get to know some of the people on your campus. Get to see what our students see, you know, whether that's classes in person or online. And on top of that, you learn. You get to expand your knowledge. Um, Something I want to talk about is uh, knowing some people outside of academia Uh, Yes, knowing people outside of academia is always good. Um, But during this pandemic time, I have to say there are some people that stand out. I'll just call them uh, Big Eric and Mr. Nick. Uh, These were people that I know that kind of did exactly this while we were in this pandemic, while working or not working or whatever. They went out and did a variety of IT type of certifications. And so... They didn't waste their time. And again, they did that so that, uh, again, wherever they were in their job cycles, one's older than the other of my friends here, uh, they were preparing themselves for either returning to better work or moving up the ladder. And I know others that are doing the same thing. We have a worker in our office who worked on their graduate certificate. and It's almost done within a year. So although we've had obviously some real Uh, fallbacks here, you know, and uh, things that have come out of uh, COVID. Um, It's good to see people were still able to focus on education. And I think even if you just take a single class, it'll be good for you just in general. Uh, Again, expanding your knowledge and, again, learning more about how the academic world works and see what our students see, you know. You know, sometimes they have complaints of things and all that, and that's understandable. Nothing is always uh, to our liking 100%. But go out there, take a class, learn, and have fun. Well, we're at that point in the show where I'd say, Dana, we're out of time because we're kind of close to being out of time. But the good thing is there's always another episode. And I hope to have Dana back on our Friday show. So I do want to thank you our audience for tuning in today on What's Brewing CISFA and hope to have Dana back so I can thank her too. If you have something to say or you have some topics you want to discuss, email us please at wbcisfa at gmail.com. You can always find this and all What's Brewing CISFA podcasts on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. What's Brewing Ceaseful is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana. And this has been episode number 105, recorded the morning of Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. Everyone, have a great day and have a great day.